0: This day changes everything. I don't just say that because it's Easter and because you're here, because it's such a big event on the calendar, because we can break out our pastels and wear them today. But it is the biggest day of all time. And because it changes everything. If, it, if this day doesn't happen, then it's a game changer in the other direction for us. If this day didn't happen some 2,000 years ago, then uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 tells us a lot of things that would go wrong. I'm only going to list a few of those things. But if this day doesn't happen uh, in time past, everything that we say and do here today is empty. There's nothing about hope. There's nothing about purpose. There's nothing about a relationship with God that really has any, any chance of being a reality if this day doesn't happen. There's more written on the resurrection in 1 Corinthians than any other chapter in the Scripture, and so I just, I'm bullet pointing this. If this day didn't happen, faith is in vain. Now, I'm not just talking about Christian faith. I'm talking about all the faiths of the world. All the faiths of the world, there are very few faiths that give you a definitive yes or no, up or down, heaven or hell, very clearly to find out on where you're going to be if this happens in your life a lot of it's left to chance, a lot of it's left to your good behavior, a lot of it's left to your religiosity, versus if you have a resurrected Christ and you are walking in a relationship with him. Again, that changes everything. If if that doesn't happen, if the resurrection doesn't happen, it's a game changer for all the face of the world. And we're a bunch of Con artist is really what we are. If the resurrection doesn't happen, I'm a liar. You're a liar. We're all in here being deceived and de- and deceiving others because if we invited anybody with us, we are that that person. And you know, the person that said it like this: that Jesus was either a liar, a lunatic, or he was the Lord. And that's really, I think, a good summation of it. He was either a liar and a great con artist that he was. He's either a lunatic and he's. A little bit loopy in the brain. Therefore, we're following him, and therefore, we're all loopy in the brain. Or, or he's the Lord. There's really no other categories you can put him in. If he did not rise from the dead, then we're all a bunch of con artists here, or we're also all entrapped, still broken in our brokenness, in our sin, and our shame and our guilt. That's where we are. We're entrapped in that because resurrection gives us the hope that we can get past this life that's full of regret and shame and remorse. It's a monumental, global, eternal impact this day does. It has on all of us and all of the world. Paul made it clear that whenever he in 1 Corinthians again... And Paul made it clear when he was quoted from the prophet Hosea, written hundreds of years before, asking a big, hairy, audacious question, and that was, oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? And I think we all know the sting of death. We've all experienced when the loved one passes away. We've all experienced going to a funeral, going to a memorial service, and thinking, oh, my goodness, if I could only say this again, if I could only write that wrong, if I, I missed this person already, and they've only been gone minutes. Will Corporan his his uh, and his wife Heather, who are members of our church here, lost tragically lost his father last Sunday in Kansas City in a shooting that made all public uh, all, all the news. Is a member of our church, and they are experiencing this week that very sting of death. But the beautiful thing about this whole Christian faith, about this whole resurrection, that if we embrace it, if we go there, then this is what happens. The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. And this victory is, again, a game changer in your life, both into eternity, but also right here now. It should be One of those paradigm-shifting moments in your life. If it doesn't, if Jesus is just a good moral teacher, if Jesus is just a good example, if Jesus was just a good rabbi, if Jesus was just that, then we really just have a good example out there. We have another Gandhi out there. That's all we have. If he is not God and if he is not resurrected from the grave, all we have is a good moral example. And This is what Paul said from the message. He said, if all we get out of Christ is a little inspiration for a few short years, we're a pretty sorry lot. If that's all we get is a good moral teacher, an inspirational spokesman, something like that, if that's all we get, then we're a pretty sorry lot. Here's a life principle for you, and I want to I state life principles from time to time just to really bring the message down to one succinct statement. So get this down. Jesus' resurrection gives us hope in death and meaning in life. The resurrection of Christ gives us hope in death. And for so much of Christianity, we focus on the afterlife. And by all means, eternity lasts longer than 80 years here on earth. So there's, 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 a, there's a bit of a, that's okay to focus on that. But I want, for the next six weeks, I want to focus on the impact of the resurrection on our lives, and the meaning it brings to our life, the last part of that, that is the resurrection not only gives us hope in death, but it gives us meaning in life, and how this a ripple effect plays out here. It doesn't just happen at Calvary. It didn't just happen one day, and not all, not all the religions of the world agree with us on this. Not all, you go to the Eastern religions of the world, Hinduism, Buddhism, they have their different beliefs on life and what it means and the value it brings. Whenever you look into the Eastern religions of the world, they call it an undifferentiated impersonal. That really this life, you forget it and forget life, period. That we are moving on from this life. That we're reincarnated into another life form. And hopefully you're graduating up the ladder and not being demoted down the ladder based on the karma and based on the life that you live. Lord Krishna in the Hindu scriptures said it like this, humanity must be cut from the dark forest forest. delusion. The dark forest of delusion. If that's all that this world is, is a dark forest of delusion and we just got to navigate through it, then hopefully the next life will be better than this life, then I think that's a pretty sad tale on this life. And I want the next life to be better than this life, no doubt, but I want this life to count and matter. The secularist, the western worldview, would take it to a meta-narrative that there is no meta-narrative, there is no ultimate decision out there, there is no ultimate player out there, there is no ultimate mover out there, that you yourself are the ultimate mover. Analytic philosopher Bertrand Russell said, we are each to be a weary but yielding atlas. We're a tired God, in other words. We're our own God. We master our own destiny. We serve our own interest." But at the end of the day, we're just tired and weary and going to fade away. He says that after four marriages, after time in prison, but yet a noted philosopher of of secularist mindset. I I say all that to say, is there not something in between? That this life is more than a delusion in a forest? That this life is more than all about me? Even Frank, Frank, Frank Sinatra said, I want it my way. Is there not something in the middle that we can bring meaning today and hope for eternity? I think so. And we begin a study today that will take us the next 42 days. 42 days and six weeks that we'll begin, and I encourage you, if you are interested, if you're not interested, that's okay. You don't have to come back. You can wait till next Easter and pop in like an Easter bunny. But... But I really hope that, I, I don't know, I'm not going to be too sarcastic there, but I'm, I really am hoping that, a little sarcastic, but not too sarcastic, I'm really hoping that, that you bite on something here, that you bite on a serious evaluation of your life, and you really answer the question, what on earth am I here for, and am I living that? What on earth am I here for, and am I pursuing that? Or am I living the secularist mindset? Or am I just waiting for another life to pop out of this life? What am I living here on this earth? Am I just living chasing my own weary self? But what on earth is the question, the big, hairy, audacious question that we're going to be asking for the next six weeks? And as we look at that, we're also going to be challenged uh, to take it even further. Because I want to talk to you about the value of this six-week study and what you can get from it. Now, there's a minimum impact. Let's start with that, okay? If you just show up for the next six weeks and hear the messages and just take notes and you walk away, what are you going to get out of this? Is, uh, no matter how great of a speaker I am, communicator that I am, I'm sorry, you're only going to walk out with 10% at best, maybe 15%. You might remember a few stories. Now, I'm not just arbitrarily making that number up. University of Indiana did a study and found that people, after 30 days of hearing, only hearing a talk, only hearing a lesson, they only retain about 10% of what they've heard. So if all you do is come and you listen to the messages, you're going to walk out of here with something, okay? You're going to walk out of here with something, but you're not going to walk out of here with as much. Well, what's the medium impact? The medium option would be that you'd hear six messages, but that you would also take it into a daily journey of your life. That you would take the next 42 days of your life, and you can do it by yourself in the corner of of your home when nobody's looking and nobody knows you're doing this, but you pick up this book that asks that very question, what on earth are you here for? And we make zero off of this book. We're selling it at or below cost. But we so desperately want to tool you, equip you, ask you to ask yourself this question that we're making them available. Now, I'll say this, that they're going, the first service bought nearly half of our books. We have over 400 books and nearly half of them are gone. So we would ask that if you do buy a book today, that you buy maybe one per family, we'll have more next week, all right? But here's, here's the challenge to you. For the next 42 days, and this is really idiot proof, okay? Tomorrow you open your book to the table of contents and it says day one. Really easy. You miss day one, guess when your day one starts, the day day you pick up the book. So just start the journey through. And we're going to be picking up every week and laying the foundation for the next week's study. And just start reading this through as a family In fact, one family picked up books for all of their family that could read, and they're going to be reading it together as a family. This is a great time to get even your teenagers thinking, what on earth am I here for? Where am I going with my life? Get them talking and thinking about that. We'll have more tools about that later on. All you have to do is the way I would start, and I'd start my day with this. And I would just pick up this book, I'd look at it, and I'd look up to heaven. Even if you're not a person who prays, I'd say, God, I don't know what in the world I'm doing here. But would you teach me? Amen. That's about as simple as you can get it, and that's about as meaningful as you can get it. Just speak your heart, tell him where you are, and then ask him to guide you. At the end of it, I guarantee you, you're going to walk away. There's been, this book has sold more copies than any other book except the Bible. That's how, that's how influential this book is. And so you're going to walk away with some nuggets for your life and just pray those back into your life. All right? Maximum. If you want to get maximum takeaway from this series, here's what you do. Get into a small group as well. So listen to the messages week by week. Read the 40, next 42 days, read just 3 pages out of this book. And then be a part of a small group. you think, know, like, "Okay, that's where I got to get into the click. That's where I got to get into the club." That's what, no, no, no. It's really simple. We're going to make it so easy. You start a small group. If this is a burning question in your life, find one other person That This would be a burning question in their life. They don't have to go here. I don't care if they go here or not But this is a burning question in their life and you just merely say to them Hey, this is a question that i'm asking myself over the next 42 days Would you ask yourself the question? Let's hang out together and ask them to find one other person to do the same thing That's three of you. What do you get with three? Well, you get a fourth because when two or three are gathered in my name, jesus said I'm in the midst So now you've got a conversation, God's a part of that conversation, and now you're doing the study together and God's in on it, all right? And we're going to make it easier for you. You say, okay, I want to do this, when do I do it? Do it whenever you want to do it. Do it over coffee, do it at lunch, do it in breakfast, do it whenever you want. But on Monday, Tuesday nights here at the church, you have to pre-register child care. Child care is included in this. Uh, Monday, Tuesday night, 6.30 to 7.30, we're going to have table groups. You can just come and hang out. I don't know anybody. Just come and meet with a group of people that don't know anybody, and you can hang out with them and answer these questions. That's all the commercial, but it's really not a commercial. I want you to come back to the question. Why are you here? Why are you here? You're here because it's a religious holiday and you're supposed to be here? I promise you, you will do get more from a a study and a walk with people like this than any other thing you can do for the next six weeks. A little verse to help you along this, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 8. Two are better than one. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. I need people in my life because the reality is, and I need to insert this phrase in here just for my own good, the reality is is you will fall. You will fall in life, and who's going to be there to pick you up? You need people who are sojourners with you, who are walking through through life with you, and we need to figure out what on earth we're here. In the very first day, you're going to read the very first quote out of this book, and you're going to find what it's going to say to you is it's going to say it's not about you. All right? Most self-help books talk about you, focus on you. This is not one of those kind of self-help books. Most theological books focus on God. This is a book that brings the two together. How do I fit into god's story how do i fit into god's story that's what we were leading at that's where we're going with this take your bibles and look at the book of first corinthians 15 we referenced it a few times before let's hit it directly now first corinthians 15 says it like this how would i remind you brothers of the gospel now what in the world is the gospel that's a religious word, if I've ever heard one. That's a word that's thrown around the church a lot. We throw it up here on stage and assume everyone knows what it is. But what does the word gospel mean? It's the Greek word euangelion, which is where we get the word good news from. So really, when you see the word gospel, you just need to think of it's the good news. It's the good news of God. And this is what Paul said, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel that I preach to you. Now notice this. You received it in which you stand... And by which you are being saved. So this gospel thing, this good news thing, and we're going to define it here in just a moment, this gospel thing is absolutely what you're building your life on. Again, if you're going to live with intentionality and purpose and direction and hope and meaning in life, that's hopefully where you're going to be moving through this study, then hopefully you're going to receive it, hopefully you're going to stand on it, and hopefully you're going to find yourself being rescued and saved and given the hope that you've been longing for all your life. So what is this gospel thing anyway? What's this good news? Verse 3, for I delivered to you Of first importance, this is absolutely, if I had one message, this is the one I would give to you. What I received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Three things, Christ died, he was buried, and he rose again. You can't leave any of those things out. He was fully dead, he was fully buried, and he came back fully alive. That's the gospel. Now, I said the gospel gives us hope for eternity, but it gives us meaning for life. I want to talk about the ripple effects of the resurrection today. How does the resurrection ripple out into my life? How does it help my life, give meaning to my life, give direction to my life, give purpose to my life, as we move forward in this. Because this is not just an Easter Sunday message. This ripples out into all of our life. So it's seven ripples here that I want to mention. You can jot them down real quickly as we go through. I only have about two minutes for each one. So listen quickly. The number one ripple. My, my life is a gift from God. Realize that first and foremost. That my life is a gift from God. Now. You were not an accident. You may have been an oops baby to your mom and daddy, but you were not an accident to God. God had great intentionality about bringing you into this world. And you may not see it, get it, understand it, but hopefully today we'll start unpacking it and you'll start believing it so you can start living it. Galatians chapter 1 verse 6, God by his grace through Christ has called you to become his people. By his grace, he brought you into this world. By his grace, he's calling you out. I want you to just make note of the number of the times in this message you're going to see the word on the screen called, 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 called. God intentionally called you out, set you out, brought you in to this world. You don't, unless you bum call someone, I'll call it that, uh, You don't bum call people. You intentionally call someone with your phones. You intentionally do that. You have something to say. God intentionally put life in your life, put breath in your existence today. You need to be asking why. And we can't take it for granted. It comes and it goes, and we don't have control over our coming, and we don't have control many times over our going. My life is a gift from God. This became really real to me when my 94-year-old grandmother passed away. She lived a long life and she was ready to go. And we don't all get that choice, okay? She lived it out until God took her last breath and that was it. But she told me years before she passed away, she was like, okay, I'm tired of this body, I'm ready to go. But she kept living and breathing until she passed away at 94 And then it was a very interesting thing that happened throughout the family. It wasn't a bad thing. It was just what happened. Her apartment, she was out of that. She'd already been reduced down to just a few things is all it really was. And it was scattered around. And we promised her that she had all of her stuff. But when she died, this is what basically happened. All the family was invited in to gather from the stuff that she had collected over 94 years of her life. And then they could take it home with them. But they were told that the rest of the stuff, if you don't take it, it's going to go to goodwill. And it's really sad when I think about my grandmother and all the quilts that she made and all the Afghans that she put together with her hands for long hours and all the first place ribbons that she won at this county fair and all that kind of stuff that all of a sudden at the end of a month of a person's existence, listen to this, you're reduced down to a couple of boxes in the attic. If your life ended today, Within a month or two months, if my life ended today, I'll make it personal about me. I would be reduced down to a couple of boxes in the attic within a couple of months. And that's it. I need to see my life as a gift from God. As God has intentionality about it, God has a plan for it. Life principle, jot this down. Drive it home in your heart. The days of my life are God's gift to me. What I do with the days of my life is my gift to God. Am I going to live it for self? Am I going to live it for Him? How am I going to live it? 2 Timothy 1, 9, He has saved us and called us, there's that word called again, to a holy life. Not because of anything we've done, but because of His own purpose, intentionality, and grace. God's gift. The life I have is a gift from God. What am I doing with it? Number two, I am called for God's purpose. I am called for his purpose. Now the reality is if I don't live through the lenses and through the filters of this world with God's purpose in mind, I live, I will naturally live. It's by default. I'm going to do it my way. The Frank, Frank Sinatra way. I'm going to do it my way and the way I like it. Victor Frankl who was a survivor of the Holocaust, who grew, who became a neurologist and a psychiatrist. He literally lived the worst of the worst of humanity, the Holocaust, and overcame to live the best of the best as an accomplished neurologist and accomplished psychiatrist. But he said this about his study of humanity from both ends of the spectrum. When a person can't find a deep sense of meaning, they distract themselves with pleasures. They distract themselves with pleasures, chasing after pleasures. My purpose in life really isn't my purpose. What I need to get on is what is God's purpose in me. God has chosen you. He chose you out of all the world for this time, in this place, in this hour, in this room, at this very day. Listen, please listen to me. Don't wash over this day. Don't wash over this moment. We can introduce you to family after family whose lost loved ones like this, unexpectedly, suddenly, and they wish they had another moment, and I'm not trying to bring fear, I'm trying to bring reality and appreciate every moment that we have. And realize that God, some reason, I don't know why, He gave you another day. He gave you another moment and He put you in this room and maybe it's so that you can get off the pleasure train and get on the purpose train. Get off the self-seeking and get on His plan for our lives. God will sometimes reach into a a crowd of people and He will pull out one to do a very unique, beautiful calling. I take you to the story of Abraham Isaac and Jacob. Before Jacob was his twin brother Esau. And Esau was the firstborn son. And in that culture in that day, the firstborns got all the wealth, got all the recognition, all the responsibility. They they received it all. The second one's just uh, a tip of the hat to you. But God, breaking the cultural code, reaches past Esau and chooses Jacob. Chooses the secondborn. Now listen to these words from Romans chapter 9 before the two boys were born, God told Rebecca, the older will serve the younger. Very unculturally common. This was before the boys had done anything good or bad. God said this so that the one chosen would be chosen because of God's own plan. God has a plan for your life, He was chosen because he was the one that God wanted to call, not because of anything he did. God just reaches into this crowd right here, could be today, and singles one of two or three or five or six of you out and says, I've got something beautiful, powerful for you starting today. Are you ready for it? Number three, God... Chose my purpose before I was born. All right? I want you to read this out loud together with me. Galatians chapter 1, verse 15. Read it out loud. It pleased God in his kindness to choose me and call me, there's the word again, even before I was born. The value of your life started when you were in the womb. The value of your life started when God was knitting you and putting you together. The value, the plan, the purpose, the calling on your life Happens when you are a baby and even before you're a baby. Now, let's just let that sink in a little bit. That God literally, beyond time and beyond space, somehow chose you, created you, put you together, knit you together, fearfully and wonderfully made you, and then put a breath in your body and brought you. Now, we don't have a problem when we're holding our newborn babies and being overwhelmed with the awe of birth. Would you do this in your mind? Don't do this out loud. I want you to just hold yourself for a moment and imagine yourself being held by God and saying, I chose you. I'm choosing you. I want to use you. Will you you live for me? And I chose you before you were ever born. Here's a verse I want us all to memorize this week, every one of us. Come up to me, ask me, Isaiah 44, verse 2, at any time, I'm going to ask you the same thing, all right? I am your creator, you were in my care even before you were born. What a value to know that God created you and that you were in his care even before you were born. Read it out loud with me. I am your creator, you were in my care even before you were born. Now you read it out loud, all right, ready? God chose my purpose before I was born. Number four, my sin and my mistakes do not change my purpose. Now hang on that one for a moment. Your sins and mistakes are quite bad. They sent Christ to the cross. They're ugly, they're dark, they're dirty, they shouldn't have been there. And yes, they can change your eternal destiny. But hear this, they don't change God's purpose for your life. God has a purpose for your life, and whether or not you're going to live that purpose is going to be a conversation between you and God. God can use any rotten, broken, messed up individual who surrenders their life to his purpose, his plan, his son, his desires in the gospel of Christ. He can do anything. A terrorist, a murderer who premeditates people, Osama Bin Laden could have been saved. Hey, Mike, you are gone a little far off the deep end there. Let me tell you about a person who was a mastermind of murder. Let me tell you about a terrorist. Let me tell you about a guy who oversaw the people who killed people for being a Christian. His name was Saul, but he became Paul. And this is what it said of him in his own words to Timothy. I am so grateful to Christ Jesus for making me Christ Jesus making me adequate to do his work. He went out on a limb, you know, entrusting me with this ministry. The only credentials I brought in were invective and, uh, and witch hunts and, and arrogance, but I was treated mercifully because I didn't know what I was doing. Was you just... You just breathe that in for a moment? I don't care who you are in this room today and how long your rap sheet is and where you've messed up. It doesn't change God's purpose for your life. It doesn't change it. He has a plan. He has a purpose. He has a call on your life. Will you answer it? Will you answer his call? Sometimes we have to reach the end of ourselves before we can get there. Number five, let's move quickly. My calling is connected to others. I need others to fulfill the calling. Others need me to fulfill the calling. This is where you don't go it alone. You don't try it alone. Read Ephesians 4, 4 with me, okay? Read it out loud. We are all one body. We have the same spirit. We have all been called to the same glorious future hope. All, all, all. He's bringing the church together. We need each other. I need you. We, we are all a part of the same. Romans 14, verse 7. Uh, for we don't live for ourselves or die for ourselves. I, I can't come back to you fast enough or soon enough or reiterate this enough. But you need people around you. You will fall. And you won't have anybody there to pick you up if you are not in a community connecting with people. We're launching this week alone 15 new body life groups. One man told me in our first service, Brian Sandusky, told me about a group of guys that he's going to get with, and they don't even go to Grace Point. He's going to go through this book because of some life events and some people's lives. They're going to go through this book together for the next six weeks. Listen, I don't care who you go through it with. You just need community. We call it body life group around here. I'm starting a men's group of single guys at 6 a.m. on Wednesday morning. We're going to have a theme. I think I said it last week. It's all the single men. Okay? Uh, I'm married, but we're going to just be in there. That was funny in the first service. Um, But anyway, I want you to read this verse out loud with me. Read it with me. Brothers and sisters, you are holy partners in a heavenly calling. Notice calling. Notice partners. You need, I need, we need each other. And we need to do this together and figure it out together. We'll walk together. Number six, where God guides, he also provides. If God's calling you somewhere, he's going to use you somewhere. He's going to be there with you. I now urge you to live the life in which God called you. Now, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be without its challenges. But when you walked in today, you were given a bulletin, and in that bulletin was a great big square. I want you to take that square out and down. I want you to just put it in your lap. And I want you to be thinking about this canvas. Call this the canvas of your life. And I want you to be asking yourself the question, what on earth are, am I here for? Why do I exist? Why do I live another day? What's he calling me to? And I want you to start writing it. It may be a sentence. It may be a paragraph. You can see all across the stage here in that corner across the front and so forth. In the final part of our service, we're going to give you the opportunity. If you scribbled something out there, if you've written it out there, even hey, listen, you're not going to be tested when you get to heaven on this, okay? Let it be just the initial musings of your mind. This is what I think. This is what I believe. God may be giving me breath today for? And I'm not talking about selling widgets to Walmart, okay? Because that changes. But what is it that your life is supposed to be about? And maybe for some, it's just a big question mark right now. But during our response time, I want you to come and almost as as a declaration of commitment before God and everyone else to say, by God's grace and strength, I'm going to live this out now. And just put it down and go back and sit down. Paul prayed this over over the believers. That is why we always pray for you, asking God to help you live the kind of life he called you to live. So Paul is praying. If you want to pray for me, would you pray, Mike McDaniel, God, would you help Mike McDaniel live the life you called him to live? Okay? And then go on, keep praying. We pray that with this power, God will help you do the good things you want and perform the works that come from faith. See, we want God to show us everything in the puzzle, everything in the picture before we follow Him, before we do His will. The reality is, God doesn't give us big pictures, He gives us puzzle pieces. And he many times won't give us the next puzzle piece until we play the first puzzle piece. Until we're willing to be obedient and go with him on the calling that he's called us to go, even if it's difficult. Where is God calling you? Number seven, and I'm finished. There's a prize for living out my God-given purpose. Yes, at the end, we come to the end. Because in the end of my life, at the end of my life, I hope what's said at the end of my life is that Mike lived out the calling of God on his life. Mike went running into heaven. Mike was so surrendered to the calling of God, he died doing God's call on his life. Paul said it like this, Philippians 3, 14. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Christ is calling us. We're all heading somewhere into eternity. I want to go there on purpose. I want to go there with great intentionality. I want to go there living out God's call on my life. Now, you may be looking at your life right now and you think, there's no way God has a call on my life. My friend, 10 different times From the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible, we read how God calls people. And some in this room right now, God's calling you, but the calling is this. Follow me. Follow me. You're not even following him. Walking with him. The calling is is come and die for some. The calling is come and see for others. Come come and do my will. Come and die to yourself. and Whatever it is that he's calling you to, answer it. You'll never be able to walk out his purpose in your life until you say yes to that. I can tell you when God began to clarify his call on my life, as a young man, I was really honest when I say this, and I'm really honest when I tell you this today. I had all the reasons why God shouldn't call me. I, I just said, God, you can't use me because I'm the kid in all the remedial classes that's not very smart. I graduated high school, thank God, because of remedial classes that would give me the credits to graduate from high school. Sent me into college on probation to start with, but I had all the reasons in the world why God couldn't use me. I looked at my family life growing up Love my, mother, my love my mother, fa- I love all my family, but it was not the ideal family. Lots of divorces and some drugs and some, some messed up stuff. Had lots of family members that dealt with alcohol and alcoholism. And I had a lot of reasons why God couldn't use me. When I even thought about myself morally, I disqualified myself from being able to be used by God because of my own morality or lack thereof but God took me to a verse that changed my whole perspective Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5 is one of my life verses I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb before you were born I set you apart and appointed you. I called you. I have a beautiful purpose for you, Mike. Let me take your trash, your cracks, and your brokenness, and let me do something with it. And I hope he is, as I hope he will do with you. Would you pray with me? If you're a crackpot in here today, welcome to the crackpot world. I want to pray for you. But some of y'all need to, not me, pray for you. You need to pray to God. You need to see God right now and just say, God, I give my life to following you. I've never said that to you, but I want to follow you. I want to be committed to you. I'm not going to play games any longer. Just tell Him in your own words that right now. For some of you, it's... God, you've been telling me and showing me and trying to talk to me about what my purpose is, and I've been doing it my way. I want to do it your way, God. Would you speak to me? Maybe, maybe Maybe this is your prayer. Lord, speak to me over the next 42 days and help me to know your call on my life. Lord Jesus, you know the cries of our hearts even when our lips do not speak. You know the intentions of our heart, even when our actions are going another direction. Lord Jesus, bring our body, soul, mind, and spirit as one with you, that we are walking in your path, on your purpose, fulfilling your call on our life. Would you do your work in us in Jesus name. Amen. Some of y'all have been writing and been thinking about what you're going to put on this. This is your time as the band plays to come and lay it at the cross lay it at, at, at the steps here and just say, God, I'm going to live your purpose in my life.